0: This morning, though, we are going to talk about a very, very interesting subject, a subject that not everybody loves, but that it's important for us to dig deeper into. go one level deeper this morning into the subject of submission. So as you, we've been, as you know, or maybe you're brand new this morning, you're like, I don't know this. We have been journeying this summer through the one another's. There are 59 different one another's found in scripture. And over the summer, we have journeyed through just 11 of them. But they have been life-changing and life-giving. And the beautiful thing about these one another's is that it calls us to unity. And so this morning we'll be reading first from Ephesians 5.21 about what it is that God wants us to do when it comes to submission. I've had to submit in my life several times. For example, this past week uh, I celebrated my 36th birthday and I submitted to the fact that I'm getting older. I also had a conversation with God. I said, that's enough, right? Like, that's good, right? Like, 36 is a good place to start. Like, all of, like, my good friends keep telling me, like, wow, so close to 40. Like, like, you know I'm thinking it. Why do you got to say it out loud? But I have submitted to the fact that time doesn't stop. And, uh, but I am not, I'm comfortable with the idea that from now on, uh, from that birthday forward, I will forever be 36. All right, so just know that in my mind, like, I'm good here. Okay, cool. All right. Also, there's times where growing up in church, I don't know if if you grew up in a church that was similar to this, but growing up in church as the pastor's kid, there was a moment during every service in my dad's church that I was like, oh, you knew it was coming, but you didn't really, like, I didn't really love it that much. I know some people did, but in my dad's church when I was growing up, but the third song in the worship set, the 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 worship team would sing, and the worship leader would release everybody to go and shake hands. Does everybody does anybody do that as well? Did anybody do that? Okay, so that was like every Sunday for me, and uh, all the extroverts loved it. Right there, they, they couldn't wait like a whole song to just go talk to people, and the introverts went to the bathroom every time. It was amazing. They're like, "Nah, I'm good." I'm good. Thanks, Thanks, but no thanks. But as the pastor's son, you couldn't avoid it. And so I would be either sitting in my seat, or if I was feeling adventurous that morning, I'd be going around, and I would always see about two or three men of the house who, like, they were watching me and, like, specifically, like, diverting their path, right? Like, quick handshake with her, quick handshake with him, but, like, I knew that they saw me, and I saw them. And uh, eventually, we would come together... And we would lock arms, right? And at this point in time, I'm like eight, nine, 10 years old. So we would lock hands, and progressively, that handshake would get tighter and tighter. And tighter, and the weird, like. The eyes never left my eyes. You know what I mean, right? Like, like I knew what was happening. They knew what was happening. Nobody ever said anything. And then <laughs> I had a couple of, of, of men in the house who, they like to do this weird thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. If you haven't, don't. Uh, but what would happen is, uh, in the middle of the handshake, the handshake would get so tight, and I knew what they were waiting for, but I didn't want to do it. And then all of a sudden, they would start to, like, rub the bones in your hand. Have you ever had that? You know what I'm talking about, right? Gross! Like it just—it's just next level. And so, in that moment, I knew what they were waiting for. I knew what was going on. And at some point during the handshake, at like nine and ten years of age, I would have to say mercy, mercy. Right? I give up. I surrender. And then they would go, and I was like, it was almost like there. Were, in my mind, there was like a line, right? A line of two or three, and they were just waiting, just crushing my hand. And in that moment that I would say mercy, there was this, this, this acknowledgement of weakness. There was this acknowledgement of saying, listen, I know that you're stronger than me. Please leave my hand alone. I need it. Sometimes in the church, the word submission is taken in much the same way. The word submission can be can be used or, or received in this understanding of a release of weakness. Sometimes the word submission, as people hear it, whether it be in church context or outside, this idea that you were called to submit is like to be made weak or 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 even in moments to relent, to say, okay, I submit to that idea, even though I don't agree with it. And there's this 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 inlaid notion of weakness, and inlaid motion of, of, of being less than, that the, the term submission can often take on. But we want to go one, lever, one level deeper with God. See, in Christ, it is okay to be weak. Amen? Come on. In Christ, it is okay to be weak. He is strong. We talked about it this morning. He is our fortress. He is our peace. But when it comes to our relationship with one another, it's important for us to know and understand that unity and peace, direction and purpose are the reasons for these one another's, not so that we can determine a pyramid or steps on a ladder or positions of who is better and who is not these one another's are to call us to an understanding of unity. And over the summer as we've been going over these one another's, they have truly transformed my life. I don't know about yours, but sitting under the teachings of some of our 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 teachers this 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 summer and and, and diving into the study over these one it's been so powerful to see how God continues to call us Deeper. Last week, we went through the Gospel of John and talked about how kindness and compassion that goes deeper than just the physical. That there is a resurrected kindness and compassion that we have access to and how that can change our lives. This week, we're going to cover everybody's favorite biblical word, submission. But we're going to ask God to take us one level deeper. That it wouldn't be the same in this room as maybe it's felt outside of these walls. We're going to go back to the gospel and dig into this word and and look in the context of it. And ultimately, our hope this summer is that the series will continue to inspire and challenge each and every one of us to love others in a more deeper and meaningful way. And to remind each and every one of you here that you are not called to walk this road alone. Ephesians 5.21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Let's pray. God, as we dive into your word this morning, Holy Spirit, would you illuminate things that we've never seen before? Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would speak, God, that there would not be a person in this room that has come to hear me, God, but instead let your voice ring true. Holy Spirit, let your word go forward, God. I pray that the, that Sunday mornings in Kannada, in God, would not be about how funny the jokes were or, or how good the delivery was, but instead, God, of how real you are. So Holy Spirit, take us deeper this morning into this word. May we have an understanding of why you would ask us to do this. And let this be a unifier this morning, Lord God. We pray that right now in the Spirit. By your name, amen. Amen, amen. So Ephesians 5.21, Paul encourages his listeners in the church of Ephesus to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, why was Paul able to write these words? I believe that Paul was able to write these words because as he began to discover who Christ actually was, he saw submission at the core of his being. Paul saw submission at the core of Jesus' being. See, Jesus first demonstrates true submission for us. Amen? Amen? This idea that uh, uh, God himself, that Jesus, as he was working and living, he, he says this in the Gospels, that the Son doesn't do anything unless directed by the Father. He continually would go back to the word in moments of even when he was tempted to go about on his own. He would return to the word of God and say, not my will, but your will be done. The idea of submission is not to to place someone in a position of of power uh, that, that, that that is wrong and that is hurtful. But instead, submission is this idea that we place ourselves under firm foundation. Even though you may take the position of submission when it comes to living life in Christ, that position of submission is not a position of weakness. It is a position of strength. See, Christ was able to be submissive because he truly knew who the Father was. Christ was able to be submissive because he truly knew who the Father was, even until death. uh, We see this in the Garden of of Gethsemane as as Christ is awaiting uh, the the coming trial, as he's awaiting uh, the cross that, that he will bear on his own. We see Jesus pouring out his heart to the Father. You can read this in the Gospels where he says, God, please take this cup from me, but not my will but your will be done. See, Jesus knew something that each and every one of us need to understand this morning, that if we are to submit within the church, if we are to be a submissive people, we must first place God where he rightfully deserves to be on the seat of our lives and at the head of this church. To submit to God is not weakness, it is strength. And as the son was submissive to the father, so we are also to be submissive to him. The son continued to agree to to submit to the father's plan as he returned to heaven and he released and the father released the spirit uh, all over the world. See, biblical submission within the church, community, family or marriage is an opportunity to live out the Trinitarian life. Jesus was able to be submissive because he truly knew who the Father was. The Holy Spirit directs and, and, and breathes and works within us at the direction of the Father in communion with the Son because they understand that there is power in unity. And you don't have to be the best. You don't have to be first. You don't have to be the strongest for the gospel to go forward with peace. Peace. Now here's where it gets fun. See so Ephesians 5:21 says, "Submit to others out of reverence for Christ." And I believe that many of us this morning would agree that it is good to place God at the front. I believe that many of us today would say, "Listen, if God tells me to go, I may not like it, but because I know who He says that, who he, because I know who He is, I will follow." Submitting to Jesus is hard, but it's understandable. Paul says, why stop there? Ephesians 5, verse 22 says this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so all shall wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Should we pray again? Should we? Should we? Just take a moment and like, ask God, no, okay, we're good, okay. This is such a controversial controversial. I think that's better. This is such a controversial passage in Scripture. I remember being in Bible college, and this one would come up, and half of the room was on one side. Half of the room was on the other. And and, and there was this great debate about who was actually supposed to submit and why. And then there was comments of, well, I'll never submit. And there was just, it, just, it was just chaos in the Bible college as, as these verses were read out. But church, I want to redeem Scripture for us today. Paul is not penning these words. He's not speaking these words to cause division in the church. Amen? And I don't believe that it's God's intention to cause division within the sanctity of marriage. Amen? So there must be something else going on. Paul didn't just say this to rile up the crowd. There is an intention of what it is that's being spoken. Pastor Jason, this last week, our, our uh, lead pastor uh, who, who's in the, the Orleans campus, posed this really powerful question to the staff. He says this, What did the collection of scriptures mean to Jesus when he read them? What did the collection of scriptures mean to Jesus when he read them? And his challenge for us on Wednesday, that when Jesus read the scripture, it was through a different lens than many of us sitting here today often go to them. Jesus didn't read the scripture for that verse of the day. Jesus didn't dive into the scripture to say, okay, God, my my day has been difficult. I just need a verse that speaks to me. No, not that one. No, not that. Ah, there it is, right? Or in those moments where you're like, man, Jesus really isn't speaking to me. Jeremiah 29, 11, right? The old faithful. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't just dive into the scriptures to walk away with a good feeling in his heart. Jesus didn't simply look at scriptures as a personal moral guideline. As Jesus was going through the Old Testament, He didn't look at uh, people like Moses and Abraham and Daniel and say, oh, wow, look at these heroes. That's who I want to be like. No, there was a deeper uh, understanding of what Jesus was doing. Jesus was reading Scripture for the purpose of getting to know the Father more. We see this as he even reads them in the synagogue. See, when Jesus read Scripture, and, and I do believe for the most part it would have been understood in the, in the early church culture that this wasn't an individual practice. Amen? See, when Jesus read Scripture, he would read it in the synagogue. As, as the early church would, would dive into Scripture together, it was always in community. Church, I want to remind you that you are not called to walk this road alone. Amen? That in the moment that you are adopted into the faith by Christ himself, you are adopted into a family. And so as we are journeying together on Sundays, as we read Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 22, these scriptures are not for us to simply take individually without the full understanding of what it means communally. This is how Jesus would have read the book. The, he would have understood that the scriptures were an important tool when it came to living life in community. And so the call for Paul when it comes to submission of wives submitting themselves to their husbands of, as to the Lord, of making sure that they, they understand what this fully is, it's not simply for that one wife that Paul would have been staring at being like, Hello? This was a communal command saying, listen, submission, when it's biblical, when it is done through the lens of Christ, is God-fearing and God-honoring, and it is right. Before we dive into what submission is, I want to just make very clear this morning of what submission is not. Submission is not an allowance for abuse of power. Amen? Amen. Submission is not an allowance for abuse of power. Submitting to, to your husband, submitting uh, to those who, who you're in partnership with is not uh, taking a position of weakness. When injustice is being done, when wrongs are being committed, when things are, are, are taking place that make you feel less, that degrade you as a person, God is not calling you to say, well, I'm just the wife. Submission is not allowance for abuse of power. Submission is not blind negligence to foolishness. Submission is not a willing participation in ignorance. Hallelujah. Should I read those again? Submission is not an allowance for abuse of power. Amen? Amen. Come on. Submission is not blind negligence to foolishness. Amen? It is not willing participation and ignorance. That is not what Paul is calling us to in these scriptures. He is not saying that we are to make excuse for wrongdoing. He is not saying to continue to place ourselves in a position that is dangerous for us. Something deeper going on here. See, immediately when we turn to chapter 5, verse 22, and we begin to dive into, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, we so easily forget everything that we just talked about in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, that we are all called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is direction for our marriages, this direction uh, for each and every one of us is to be taken under the same framework of understanding that we are called to follow Jesus. Why was Jesus able to submit to the Father? Because he knew who the Father was. And the Father was worth following. Amen? Come on. Why was the son able to submit to the father? Because he knew who the father was and the father was worth following. And so the same direction is to be given to us, that we are called to follow those who are worth following. And it's so uh, crazy to me that we always stop and get hung up on what it is that Paul is directing uh, the wives and, and in Ephesians chapter five, twenty-two, to do because the call on husbands is actually so much bigger. See, if you don't stop reading in verse 24 and you begin to read what God, what Paul is calling husbands to step into, man, you'll wish for submission. <laughs> Paul continues in verse 25. He says this, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the Word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Let me read that again. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water and the Word. So that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She might be holy and without blemish. Later on in chapter 5, Paul continues and says, Listen, these are mysteries that I'm talking about and they're hard to understand. He uses the framework of marriage uh, to describe something deeper than what, uh, uh, the, uh, what it is that's going on as God himself instilled and instructed us to marry so that it represent the relationship that's available to him. Paul is using the same framework here. Hello? Paul is saying, listen, wives, you are representative of the church in this instance, and as the church, we are called to submit to Christ. And the husbands in this instance are used to represent Jesus himself. And Paul says, listen, the the word, the word love that Paul actually uses here in the Greek is agape when he's talking about love. It says husbands love your wives. It's not the eros love, which is uh, a sexual love. It's not the phila love, which is uh, a friendship love. No, this word agape is a love without ceasing. It's a love that encompasses all. It's a love that's found in 1 Corinthians where it says that it holds no record of hurts. It, it is not envious. It does not. No, this is a love that is pure and is holy and is righteous. Christ surrendered everything for the church. He surrendered his own ambitions. Before Jesus actually stepped into his ministry, says that he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where the the enemy tempted him. And I don't know, maybe you're here this morning, you've never been tempted before, but I know when the enemy tempts me, it's in ways and he tempts me with things that I actually want. The Bible tells us that Jesus was tempted in all the ways that we are tempted. And so as he's led into the wilderness, the enemy tempts him with things that he actually wants. He begins and saying, Jesus, just turn this rock into a stone. The guy's been fasting for weeks. He's hungry. Jesus turns the enemy and says, no, man does not live by bread alone. And you know, he tempts him again and again and again. But Jesus was surrendered and submitted to the Father. Hello? He was surrendered and submitted to the Father. He gave up everything. His own ambitions. His selfish desires. The, the, the yearning to achieve recognition. Read it in your Bible. He says, this is not my story. I'm simply here to point the way to the Father. Hallelujah. He who was without sin took on our sin so that we might live. And this is the challenge this morning. As Paul references husbands here, he says, Listen, husbands, if you're going to be put in a position for wives to submit, then you have to carry the nature and the goodness of Christ. Marriage as well as in within our Christian community, is hand in hand and shoulder to shoulder. Amen? I'm going to say that again. Marriage as well as Christian community is hand in hand and shoulder to shoulder. There are no lesser or greater Christians in this room today. The Simply because I hold a microphone does not make me any closer to God than you. I am simply trying to live out that calling to be submissive to what it is that I believe that God has placed me here for. This is the challenge for each of us. And how easy is it to submit to someone whose only intention for your life is the best? As the church, we submit to Christ because we know that He has goodness in store for us. Amen? We know that he desires peace in our lives, that he has a purpose, a reason that he placed us here, that when God directs your path, it's not to lead you down a hard and and difficult road simply to make it hard and difficult. He has purpose and an idea in store. It may be difficult to say, okay, God, I wanted to go right, but I see you directing left. But I promise you, it is better for you to follow the path that God has set out before you than to go and run after your own hopes and dreams. As great as they may be, God's are greater. As great as they may be, God's are greater. And this is the reference that that Paul is using here. He says, Listen, we need to submit ourselves to Christ. We need to submit ourselves to his direction because he is worthy of our adoration. He is worthy of our respect because he has the best in store for us. He wants us to be fruitful. Christ wants us to have a deeper understanding of who his Father is. Why submit to Jesus? Because Jesus knows who you truly are. And it's his goal to unlock that in you. Why submit to Jesus? Because he is faithful. Why submit to Jesus? Because even if you don't understand, he does. Why submit to Jesus? Because victory is already His. We sang about it this morning. Why submit to Jesus? Because victory is already His. Church, when it comes to wives submitting to husbands, and husbands loving uh, wives as Christ loved the church, we have to understand this in, in the greater narrative. This is not just specifics for you. This is specifics for all of us. Amen? Yes, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But the husbands have the call to look like Jesus. I've said this in, in marriage courses to young people getting married that the most fruitful marriages that I've seen are where uh, in the relationship there's this decision, there's this moment where each and each one, they look at each other and, and go through the five love languages and all that fun stuff to get there. We don't have time for that this morning, but you know, right? Like, how do I know who they are? There's ways. There's ways. I know women are confused, but like, there's ways, right? We can, it's good. Okay. And so, and so in these moments, I've said multiple times, you know, some of the most beautiful marriages that I've seen are marriages where each person takes it upon themselves to live for the other. Imagine to be involved in a marriage where every time your spouse walked through the door, you knew that their greatest intention was for you. In conversations and, and deciding purpose and direction, if you know that the other person's greatest desire in their life is that you would have a blessed day, is that you would have a warm towel when you get out of the shower, woo, I'll submit. The difficulty comes, church, when we use this example in Ephesians chapter 5 as a way to keep people down, to keep people in a lower position, that is not what Paul is saying. Paul says, wives, church, submit to the Lord, and husbands, love your, love your wives as the church. It's an understanding that we are called to follow Jesus. To live in a way that honors Christ. And so collectively, we choose to submit to one another because it is more important within the family of God that equality reigns than I get my way. It is more important in the family of God, that I submit in in instances where other people are getting opportunity because I value watching the giftings of each people rain out, not just one. It's important that we choose to submit because Jesus himself submitted to the Father, even unto death. Submission to one another is to be reverent to Christ. So we're not asking anybody to put themselves in a dangerous position. If you're here this morning and you find yourself in such a place, please talk to somebody today. What we are calling each and every one of you to is a right relationship between yourselves and each other and ourselves in Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Church, submit to Christ. Husbands, place yourself in a position that you would represent who Jesus truly is. This is what the passage is actually talking about. It's unity at its core and Christ at its center. Can we pray this morning? God, I thank you for your revelation today. And Lord God, I pray that each and every one of us would be able this morning to identify with both examples that are given, Lord God. I pray that everybody in this room, Lord Jesus, will be ready as Paul has instructed. That we would submit to your direction, God, for the church. And God, that each and every one of us, wives and husbands alike, God, that we would fall so head over heels in love with you. That our lives would be so representative of who you are. That Kanata Life Center would produce Christians worth following. People that can be depended on not to, to run after their own gain or, or, or to use the religious structures for their purposes. But instead, God, may we all be less so that you can be more. God, may we collectively say, hey God, not my will, but your will be done. Because, Lord, we can trust you. You are good. You are peace. You are forgiveness, God. You are our salvation. And so, Lord God, I pray. God, when there is a a, a scripture that, that pops out and the enemy tries to sow disunity, God, instead, let us go one level deeper and remember, God, that each and every scripture is to be lived out communally. It's not just for me, it's for us. Let that be the desire of our heart, God. As we go forward from this place, God, I pray that biblical submission would not have a dry taste in our mouth, but instead, God, that we would understand it just a little deeper this morning, that we can live it out as you yourself lived out to the Father. We ask that today in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Amen.